You know, sometimes you have to really miss something for several years to, to know how sweet it is and to know how much you've missed it. And I'm not just talking about chicken fried steak and gravy, y'all. Uh, Pastor Chris, I've missed this service. I really have. And uh, Cornerstone, we are so grateful to, to have you here. And uh, I'm so grateful to have a chance to introduce our our speaker this morning, he doesn't really need an introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. He's a native of Washington, D.C. He grew up in a devout Christian home. He's been preaching the gospel since he was 17. He's a graduate of Washington Bible College and Dallas Theological Seminary. And he has served as pastor of Cornerstone Baptist Church since 1989. Mm. Wow. And over that time, God has used Pastor Chris Simmons uh, to bring the light of the gospel to uh, a troubled neighborhood in the Metroplex. And whether it's ministering to the homeless or serving struggling children or giving folks in need a hot shower or clothes or helping them find a job or tutoring or mentoring or helping people find a fresh start after incarceration, Cornerstone has been bringing the hope of the gospel for over three decades. And Pastor Chris, a couple of, yeah, I think we should clap about that, yeah. Um, Pastor Chris, uh, as I was mentioning, you know, a few weeks ago when we were down tour in Viola's house, and, and you were busy, I don't know where you were, uh, but you were busy, but uh, I was just thinking about how, boy, 23, 24 years ago, first time, I went down, and it was just that little church on Irve back then, right? That, I don't know how you did all that you did in that one little space, but I remember walking with you through the community a few years after that, and you were praying that the Lord would give you this and that spot and that place to, to do more ministry, and now driving down there a few weeks ago and just seeing all that the Lord has given uh, you and... Um, uh, I've told you this before, but you are a spiritual venture capitalist, and you take uh, you take the, the you know the kingdom of God capital, and you're just praying to, to raise up more and more of that capital to, to serve the Lord. And we are honored to have you bring God's word to us this morning. So would you join me in welcoming Pastor Chris Simmons? Amen. So it is certainly a joy and honor to be with you um, again this year. We thank God so much for our partnership together and how Valley Ranch has really walked with us uh, for so many years to help us to impact uh, those in the community of South Dallas. And we could not do it. Uh, with our churches like Valley Ranch Baptist Church, you understand it is more than just meeting the physical needs of individuals. It is really trying to impact their spiritual needs as well. And so thank you so very much for uh, walking with us in the many ministries that we engage. We are certainly speechless uh, in light of the various generous gift that um, Valley Ranch Baptist Church has provided for us at Viola's house. And Elaine, I just want you to know, you don't have to be nice to Thana, although we share the same last name, we're not related. 
<laughs> so thank you so very much. Thank you. And um, just, just so awe in awe and so grateful for this opportunity to, to have our churches together in the same place. The pandemic, as you know, certainly has thwarted that for the past two years, but it is so great to be here. And although we have not been able to worship together, we're so thankful that Park, that um, Valley Ranch has really walked with us, uh, even in the midst of the pandemic, of continuing to come down uh, every month to provide meals to our homeless friends, and um, just so many ways in which you continue to help us to minister to those who are really struggling uh, during the pandemic. And again, we could not have done it without your support. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to come and to share your word. And we pray now, God, that you will let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Thank you for the opportunity to come together to worship you in this place. Thank you so much for the partnership with Valley Ranch Baptist Church for so many years to help us to bring light and hope in the midst of our community. For we look to you now to speak to our hearts. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning I want to invite you to join with me in the book of Acts chapter 3. The book of Acts chapter 3. And in the book of Acts chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Book of Acts chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. It says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at, the third, at 3 in the afternoon, when a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put there every day to beg for those coming to the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him and said, and as did John, then Peter said, look at us. As the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking, jumping, and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This morning uh, in our time together, we want to talk about the testimony of a crippled man, the te testimony of a crippled man, one who was going through a time of despair, a time of, of, of difficulty in his life. And as God does a work in his life, what is the impact that it has on the lives of others? As we enter the text, we find that Peter and John are now at this third hour or are uh, going to the temple at prayer time, this third hour, to have their communion with God, to talk to God. And as they are entering the temple, for this time of prayer on this day, they have an encounter with an individual. 
It says, now a man was there on that day who had been lame from birth. Lame from birth. In fact, if we go on and we look in chapter 4, and look in chapter 4, verse 22, it says that this man had been lame for 40 years. That's a long time. A very difficult time to not be able to run with your friends. A long time to not be able to, to get a job to have none of your dreams realized. In fact, when this boy was born, when this boy was born, it was probably told to him and they recognized, and as they recognized his condition and that he was lame from birth, they had already concluded to this young man, you will never amount to anything. You will go nowhere. You, you will spend your life begging and struggling. It will be a hard situation to be in. He was born lame, crippled, hopeless, without any dreams of moving on to be anything in life other than a beggar one that was dependent on others, one that had to always look for others to help him in every aspect of his life. And he was born, lame, crippled, hopeless, in despair from his mother's womb. And the reality is, that's oftentimes the kind of individuals that we serve. Yes, individuals who are born crippled. Yeah. And, and although they might have the ability to walk and the ability to talk and the ability to move around, seemingly because of the situation in which they have been born, they are viewed as individuals who are crippled, going nowhere, no dreams, no hopes. Elvis Presley, it's all right to quote him. I know he didn't write any hymns. He sang them, but he didn't write them. <laughs> Sings a song called In the Ghetto. Listen to this story. As the snow flies, on a gray and cold Chicago morn, a little boy is born in the ghetto. And his mother cries because if there's one thing that she doesn't need is another hungry mouth to feed. People, don't you understand? This child needs a helping hand or he'll grow up to be an angry young man one day. Take a look at me. Are we too blind to see the need? Do we simply turn our heads and look the other way? Well, the world, the world turns 
and a hungry little boy with a runny nose plays in the street as the cold wind blows in the ghetto. And his hunger burns. So he starts to roam the streets at night and he learns how to steal and learns how to fight in the ghetto. Then one night in desperation, the young man breaks away. He buys a gun, steals a car, tries to run, but he doesn't get far in the ghetto. As the crowd gathers round, an, unyoung, an angry young man is faced on the ground with a gun in his hand. And as the young man dies on a cold and gray Chicago morn, another little child is born in the ghetto. Buckner reports about how oftentimes people are born lame and crippled. Buckner has mentions and reports that Dallas has the highest number of people living at 185% below the poverty line. 48% of single mothers living in, in poverty and they, it cripples their ability to provide for their children. 38% of children live in poverty. 28% of them have food insecurity, not knowing if they're going to go to bed hungry at night. Nearly 29% of Dallas homes make $20,000 or less, and in our neighborhood is $16,000. More than 27,000 residents live in poverty despite holding full-time jobs. Man was crippled. And he was crippled from birth. Nobody thought this young man would amount to anything. Nobody thought this man had any dreams, any hopes for tomorrow. And there were no schools that would, make, that would force them to provide educational opportunities for this lame, crippled individual. So what did they do? What did this man do in order to have his daily needs met as, he, as these men went to the prayer meeting that day? Verse 2 says, now the man was lame, of course, from birth, and they carried him. His friends would pick him up and put him down every day, and he was very strategic. He was by the beautiful gate because he knew everyone would want to go through the beautiful gate. And if there were devout Jews who were committed to their faith, that they would have a heart and a passion for poverty, for those who, who were going through a hard time, they would remember scriptures that he that giveth to the poor, lendeth to the Lord. And, and as they were on their way to worship, he would play on their heartstrings. He strategically placed himself. And he would make a living begging every day. Dependent on others, not only to bring him there, but to give him the substance that he needed in order to go one more day. When he 
was sitting there, and Peter and John are going into the temple that morning, that afternoon, for their time of prayer. The text says that when he saw Peter and John about to enter, shaking his little cup, arms, can you help me? Can you spare a dime? I'm in a bad situation. Don't know how I'm going to make it. And Peter did something that oftentimes we don't like to do when we, we, we encounter those who are going through a hard time, when we encounter those who are struggling, when we, when we encounter those that we really don't want to be bothered with. Peter looked straight at him. And that was significant because it's oftentimes easy for us to, to bypass those who are going through a difficult time and see them as invisible. Peter and John looked straight at this man. And this man was in a very humbling situation. His head hung down, not knowing if they were going to help him or not. Not knowing if when he left the temple that day, if he would have enough money in order to make it another day. Peter told this man as he looked at him, I want you to look at us. Because I know you're embarrassed by your situation. Having to depend on others to make your ends meet. And as I look at you, let's lock eyes. Look at us. And so the man, as he hears Peter thinks, talks, says basically to himself, I done hit the jackpot. I done, I've hit the jackpot. So, so the man gave him his attention, and, and he was expecting to receive something from them. Peter, as this man is there, excited that he had finally hit someone that was compassionate, that understood his need. He was excited because finally someone was looking him in the eyes to see his need. But can you imagine that excitement quickly turned to despair? Peter said to him, silver and gold I do not have. I didn't bring my debit card to church today. Silver and gold, I do not have. He tells this man, I don't have what you want, but I got what you need. Silver and gold, I do not have. Because I want you to know, throwing money at your problem is not going to solve 
your situation. And, and, and every now and then, we ought to be glad that when we go to God in prayer, that, that God knowing exactly who we are, he, he oftentimes doesn't give us what we want. But he assures us to give us what we need. Look, I don't have what you want, but I got something greater that can change the trajectory of your life, that's able to transform your, your outlook and where you're going. And that's what I'm going to share. In the name. The name represents his power, his authority, what he is able to accomplish. He says to this man, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, the one who has the power, the one who has the authority to, to change your, your, your hopeless, your outlook on life. And you know what else I like about what Peter and John says to this man? Not only do I submit to you the name of Jesus Christ, but notice what he says. The name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, he probably could have just said the name of Jesus Christ. But, but why add the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth? If you look at the book of John, the question is raised in John chapter 1, verse 46. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? I, I mean, the thing that you don't want to be known as, as an individual who was from Nazareth. Why? Because if you were from Nazareth, they saw you as hope. Is that if you were in Nazareth, they saw you as one that was going to amount to nothing. They saw you as an individual that had no hope, no dreams, one that was going nowhere. You know what they tell this young man? I want you to know Jesus can relate to your situation. He has been right where you are. Others had written them off. Others said that he wasn't going to amount to anything. Others said that he wouldn't be nobody. But God took him out of the hood and made a difference. And he was able to make a difference in this world. In the name of Jesus, walk. And then notice, Peter and John 
teaches us another lesson about helping those who are crippled, disabled, those who feel like they're not going anywhere. Notice what their action is and what they teach us. You never look down on a man unless you're trying to pick him up. Taking him by his right hand. And you know another lesson that, that, that Peter and John helps us to understand in, in the life of this man is it's not enough just to preach Jesus. We start with Jesus, but we don't stop with Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, and notice what the text says. He helped him. Because as we preach, individuals need help. Those who are in despair, those who are broken, those who have given up on life, those who have had life given up on them. It's not enough just for us to preach Christ. We got to be willing to help individuals. Not just giving a hand out, but a hand up. And so that's why we are so thankful for our partnership with Valley Ranch Baptist Church because as we come across those who are, who are lame, who have feel like they have, have given up on life and, and have been written off, we're able to help them, as we've heard through Viola's house, be successful parents through Trinity Restoration, make, make successful re-entry back into society through, through, through the ministry of providing meals, of, of building relationships to let them know there are other resources. He was willing, they were willing to help. And notice what the text says. The text says, as, as they are ministering to this man, it says instantly. The man hadn't used his ankles and feet in over 40 years. Instantly. The man's feet and ankles became strong, and he jumped to his feet and began to walk. And, 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 and although, not to put down therapy and, and follow-up, but notice he didn't go through a 12-step program. Those may be important, but instantly. Why instantly? Because, see, when I heal you, I don't want no doubt in nobody's mind that it was nobody but the Lord who did this thing. You, 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 the therapists are not going to get credit. The hospitals are not going to get credit. But the only one that you can say was able to take you from being a nobody to being a somebody 
was nobody but God himself. He jumped to his feet. He began to walk. And then he asked Peter and John, look, fellas, where y'all going? We going to church. You know what? I'm going right there with you. I'm right there with you. And and as they go into the temple courts, it it says that he was walking and jumping and and, and praising God because he recognized and realized it was nobody. And when you recognize that you've been a cripple, when you recognize that the world had written you off, when when you recognize that, that individuals have given up on you, but God has restored, and he has done that instantly. Notice, giving God the praise, recognizing that it was nobody but the Lord. And see, what's rather interesting is this man for 40 years had sat by that gate asking for help and people gave him money but nobody healed his situation. And you know what's rather interesting? In those 40 years Jesus had been by that gate. And the question is, why didn't Jesus heal him? He had certainly been right there when he had heard that man cry for help and and, and for alms and, and recognized that man was in a bad situation. You see, God's timing is not always our time. God will do what he does when he wants to do it in order to get maximum glory for his name. And notice, and notice, God wanted a greater purpose in this, in this man's life. And, and everybody, it says, notice verse 9, when all the people, when all the people, everybody saw this man walking and leaping and praising God, and everybody knew his story, that, that for the last decades he had been right there outside of that gate. Maximum glory. Because... Others saw what had happened in this man's life. Notice when they recognized that this was the man, the same man who used to sit sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. They, They were filled. They were amazed. They were blown away with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This man had a testimony of how God himself had changed his life, and he had done it instantly. You see, 
when God does a work, an amazing work in your life, it is not only for your benefit. It is for the testimony of others. So others can see what God is able to do. What others could see, what God is able to do. Of taking a lame man, a man that they had written off, a man that, that they had never, I said, would amount to anything, a man that had been by that gate called beautiful year after year after year. But it was this man's testimony that blew them away. You know what happened as a result of this man being crippled but healed? By the name, the character of Jesus of Nazareth, who had understood this man's plight. In chapter 4, verse 4, it says, because of this to man's testimony, by many who heard the message that Peter and John preached, as they talked about it was nobody but God that had done this thing through the power of Jesus Christ. So the number of men who grew as a result of this one man's testimony was 5,000. That man's testimony touched the lives of 5,000 me. You know, if the truth be told, we all can, if we're honest, relate to this man. Some of us boarded the bus to come to Valley Ranch Baptist Church. We walked in the building, sat down. But if you knew our story, not too many years ago, we were crippled. Going nowhere. No hope, no dreams. People had said that we would never amount to anything. They had written us off. But, but thankfully, we had an encounter with Jesus Christ, the one of Nazareth, who understands what it means to be torn from the floor. Who understands what it means when folk write you off. Who understands what it means to have all of your hope and all of your dreams dashed. But God took us and made something beautiful out of our lives. And that's what our calling is. That's what our mission is. 
We may not be able to meet every need, want, but we can share with everybody who, are, who is broken in life, who, who is crippled because all of us have sinned and messed up, to let them know that there is a Christ that can relate to every situation you are in. Doesn't matter. You may be a teen mom. You may have an ex on your back. You may be an ex-offender. And, and you know what the difference is between an ex-offender and many of us? Some of us just didn't get caught. We, we just didn't get caught. And the reality is the hope for healing for all of us is found in none of us than the name of Jesus the Christ of Nazareth. He alone can restore those who are broken. And that inspires us. As we look at individuals who, who, who were once right where this man is, was to see how God was able to take them and transform. And it's also the call of the church to let individuals know we have a hope that is able to transform your life. And you might have been crippled a long time. But there is hope in the Christ of Nazareth. And so, Father, we thank you. Thank you so much for the testimony of this crippled man. One that they had written off. But thank you that Peter and John were on their way to church that day. And they took time out of their busy schedule to not give a man what he wanted but to give a man what he needed. And we pray that we as a church, as we encounter individuals who are lame, who are broken, who are in despair, that we would share the hope, whether it be through meeting the needs of families through the Christmas store, feeding homeless people, or, or meeting uh, teen moms, or touching those who, who, who are transitioning out of prison. Help us, God to be your light and to never look down on a man unless we're willing to pick him up. For it's in the name of Jesus our Christ we pray. Amen.